come, Lord. And when they said it, they really thought, well, he just might. And they knew that if he wasn't going to show up physically, uh, he would certainly respond to that, that cry, Lord, come and be with us. And the Lord Jesus Christ, by his spirit, is as real and as present in this room as he ever was when he walked the earth. So we say, come, Lord. We look for you. Let us pray. Our Father, Huthan, heaven has nothing we desire, and earth, nothing we desire more than you. Lord, we, we know our need, sort of. But Lord, we believe that you are the Alpha and the Omega. You stand at the beginning and at the end. You hold all things together. You are our bread and our drink. You are the air we breathe. In you we live and move and have our being. We confess that. We praise you. We acknowledge that you are God. And ask humbly that you would meet with us. Lord, uh, there are so many of us who are just tired. And spirits are willing, but flesh is weak. Lord, would you refresh us this morning? Would you please give us new strength and energy to do what we need to do? Lord, so that we can give you thanks at the end of this day and the end of our lives. Lord, we, many of us, heard a president speak last night, and we're so aware of the fragility of human life and the peril that we live in. We pray for his strength and wisdom for leadership in this country and around the world that would, whether conscious or not, would do your will. And Father, we pray for the victims of that airline crash or that terrible accident around the Ukraine. Lord, for broken families and broken hearts, we, we stand with them and we pray your mercy on them. Lord, would you work mightily in our midst? Would, would the knowledge of God cover Westmont College as the waters cover the sea? Please pour out your spirit on us. Forgive us our coldness and complacency. Oh, Lord, pour out your spirit on us. Fill us with yourself. That your name would be honored. That your kingdom would come. And that your will would be done here in this place as perfectly and as cheerfully as it's done in heaven. Amen. You may be seated. going to uh, ask our speaker this morning to come on up on the platform as I introduce you to uh, someone I'm very, very grateful to, uh, to have with us this morning. Her name is Vera Roshko, 
And if you're ever around the uh, biology department, you'll know that she's the uh, secretary in the biology department. Uh, Vera is from the Ukraine. And uh, you may be aware of the fact that we have a number of people on the staff of the college here are from parts of the uh, former Soviet Union, Ukraine among them. Uh, they worship in a couple of churches here in town. Uh, Vera's church is the Slavic Baptist Church. I am so grateful that we have uh, Vera with us. Uh, she has a story to tell. And I asked her this morning, um, well, how can we pray for you besides the fact that you're really nervous? And uh, we're going to give her a good round of applause in a minute. That takes all nervousness away. Uh, but she said, pray that, um, that what will be remembered won't be my story, but the God who made the story. So we're with you, Vera. We're looking for God. Uh, but his hand has been on you, and uh, I had the privilege of sitting in my office some weeks ago and just hearing her story, and I, I couldn't wait to uh, get her here with you all. But let's give her uh, one of those kinds of a welcomes that just sort of calm the nerves and uh, make one excited. Vera, welcome to West Montana. to be here this morning and be able to tell you my story because um, my story is basically the story of any person from former Soviet Union. While I grew up in typical Christian family in former Soviet Union, I got used to things like um, being classified by the communist system as heretic or unhealthy element of the system or enemy of the people and so on. And so were all of the Christian people because um, as many of you know, Christianity was not something that the communist government wanted to consider. Um, while some of you probably heard some things about life of Christian people in Soviet, former Soviet Union, not many of you probably would be able to imagine what it was like not being able to say goodnight to your dad because you don't know where he is. And you're praying with your mother and you see her tears because you don't know if you will ever see your father again. And then next morning you find out that he was subjected to hours of interrogation by heartless KGB agents. And you know that all of that is for his beliefs. And that probably created um, the feeling of wandering in my heart. When I grew up, I always questioned myself, why would people want to go through hardships like that? Why would they want to be believing in God when it's much easier to go on the other side, to be going with the flow, not against the flow. For example, I grew up in St. Petersburg, Russia, and it's a city with a population of six million, and we had only one Baptist church, and it was not allowed by 
the government, but we still met and we praised God's name. And we had only 3,000 members in the church out of the whole big city of six million. And therefore, it was extremely hard to stand up for your faith. I was the only one in the whole school, and many times I was called names. And it was at the time when I haven't fully realized what God means to me in my life. I just grew up with stories that um, my grandfather, who I never saw, died in Siberia because he was Christian and he was sent there for preaching the word of God. And so many, most of the um, Slavic families had someone in their family sent to Siberia. Not many people even realized that communist system killed more people than Hitler. And not many people realize that most of the, the majority of those people that were killed were Christian people who brought the word of God. And until now, not, not many of us know where our fathers and grandfathers are buried because they were all killed and buried in massive graves somewhere in Siberia. And even until now, the documents cannot be opened to find out where we could go and at least put the bouquet of flowers on the grave. It was tough growing up knowing that most of the colleges and universities would not open their doors for you because you are considered unhealthy and because you are not involved with the Komsomol Party, which was a junior league of the Communist Party. Or even if by some miracle, if you were admitted into college or university and managed to maintain grade A plus throughout all of your years, you wouldn't be able to graduate because you simply wouldn't be allowed to. Um, there was a certain subject that was strategically placed by the communist system towards the end closer to the graduation, which was called the theory of Marxism and Leninism. And the system was created that way so that if you don't pass at least one subject, you don't graduate. And if you were Christian, you simply could not pass that subject. Therefore, Christian people could not study what they wanted. They could not advance their, their lives. They could, not, um, they could not develop their talents or anything. But throughout all of these times, God was with us. And considering little things like not being able to have basic necessities, only because your father is Christian and therefore he is paid less than the lowest paid employee who is constantly missing his job. Even if your father has two degrees, he still would be considered unhealthy element. And dealing with things like not being able to buy a thing or two was not as hard for me personally as not being able to have Christmas. 
I'm not talking about not being able to afford to buy Christmas tree or gift. I'm talking about not being able to celebrate Christmas openly when you know that the whole world celebrates it. And all you could do is to gather around old radio and try to pick some words from the radio which were jammed by howling of the jammers and you could not possibly hear anything. And even what you heard, you should have been very careful on how you proceed with listening to the radio because at that time, even walls could have ears and you could be reported and subjected to the hours of interrogations. At that time, I remember how I was always questioning myself, why, why, why my family chose to go this way and no other way. It is so much easier to go with the flow. It is so much easier not to have to deal with being picked on in everyday life. And it is so much more preferable to be able to go to school and look forward to meeting your friends instead of being picked by your classmates. And they pick on you with the silliest lines and you know that it's not true but still it hurts because you're only seven or eight and you're already treated as an outsider. What was the saddest thing for me throughout my whole childhood was that I wasn't able to go outside and carol. Um, our Christian brothers and sisters in Ukraine attempted to go caroling outside and preaching to the world the word of God in that way and most of the times they were taken by police and persecuted worse than any criminal recidivists. That whole life, the whole situation was so hard to deal with that I was not ready to say yes to God, but yet I was not ready to say no. I was just going with my family and even though it was hard to stand up for the pressure, yet it was somewhat easy because at least I didn't have to choose already who to be. The world already treated me as an outsider and my family considered me being a Christian kid in a Christian family and I was going with the Christian flow. It was smaller flow, but I was going with them. I didn't have to make any decisions. I attended church and I was with my family. It hurt me deeply that my father was hurt by KGB and it hurt me deeply that I knew that my future might not be as I wanted it to be or wanted to plan it to be. But yet I always believed that there would be a change. I always thought, well, there, there would be something God will provide. When I was in my teen years, the whole communist system started loosening up. And I figured out, oh, now we don't have black and white. We don't have bad people and good people. That's great. The line between 
the communists and Christians is not as bold anymore. Now I can go ahead and develop myself however I want. And that was much easier on my shoulders, but I was not realizing that I'm losing, I'm losing the goal on which I was set. I, I was losing the meaning of life because I was getting so wrapped up in my life and development of my life. I was able to attend the prestigious college and I was able to maintain good grades and I was able to even win several awards for the projects that I had. And it was all wonderful all wonderful for my life. I was able to have friends, something I was never able to have before. And I even had a couple of other Christian friends attending same college so that we could be close and we could talk about the day and about our plans and plan our social life. Yet I was forgetting about God and how God supported me throughout the hard times. It was so much easier to slide with that kind of flow at that time. It was so much easier to believe that, oh, life is different now. I don't have to worry about bad or good. I can just be who I am and grow up pleasing myself. I can do whatever I want. Even if I have problems, these probably would be not as dramatic as what kind of problems my grandfather or my father had to go through. So I was very uplifted and very energetic in pursuing my own goals. Meanwhile, forgetting that there are people who haven't heard the word of God yet. I could not imagine how to interrupt my busy schedule by preaching the word of God for them. Meanwhile, I heard that somewhere in Ukraine, people are still forced to meet in forests because they're not allowed to meet to preach the word of God. They're not allowed to have Christian conferences or train their Sunday school teachers, but I always felt like it's somewhere else. It's not as close to me. And my life started taking on a dangerous curve as I consider it, I was wrapped up in things like creating my image or my appearance, only because I was attending the fashion design and designing college. I actually wanted to be the perfect. I wanted to get on the team of the models and be able to model my own designs. When I succeeded in that, I realized that I developed um, food disorder, eating disorder. And I started thinking, well, maybe I should spend more time with developing my fitness program. And I was developing all these areas of my life about forgetting about major area in my life. I did not forget about attending church. I could still go to church and put on my face as if I was a regular Christian attending a church. I was not baptized yet at that time, but I was attending the church along with other children of Christian families, and 
I was considering that my life is going pretty good. A couple of years ahead, I'm going to graduate. I will have my own business creating, um, doing fashions, and I wouldn't have to worry about anything else. When all of a sudden, one of my friends died of leukemia. It was like a bomb explosion. I was so getting used to, so getting comfortable with the cozy little life I started having. I did not expect that somebody's life could be interrupted like that. It all happened rather suddenly. All of us friends were shocked. And that was probably the first time when I wondered what had happened to me. What would happen to me if my life was taken right now at this moment? But I still was so excited about everything that I achieved that I didn't want to think uncomfortable thoughts about death and having to deal with myself and having to realize that while I'm so wrapped up in my own life, the God is the one who is holding it. I was trying to put it into um, farthest place in my soul, and I was basically trying to overwhelm myself with every possible other activity. My social life was getting so exciting. And I did everything except maybe of um, major sins because they didn't seem too appealing to me and unless it tasted like chocolate, I wouldn't try it. <laughs> but all of my friends went through drugs and alcohol and I watched them and I'm an, a type of person that likes to observe rather than doing it myself. I observed and I thought, okay, so if you do this, so-and-so would consequently come out of it. And if you do that, you probably will end up right there and then at a certain place. And I sort of waited for myself. Do I want to live life like Joe or do I want to live life like Diane? And I wondered, no, I'm going to build my own life the way I want it. And then God in his mercy was able to show that I'm not the one who is holding my own life. I'm not the one who is responsible for my own life. And he was able to show it to me by showing me the death of my dear friend who died in a snow avalanche while serving in the Soviet army. When his thin coffin arrived at his parents' house and they conducted a funeral, I was amazed how his father was not screaming or crying or tearing his hair out, but he simply opened the Bible and he read the word from chapter 1 of the book of Job. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I was amazed that he was able to be hopeful that God will have a plan for him to survive and live after his child was taken. Meanwhile, I wondered about myself. Would I be able 
to deal like that if somebody with death, if somebody close to me died suddenly and tragically like that. I've seen families dealing with death in very different ways. For example, when the coffins of soldiers from Afghanistan war arrived in Russia, you could spot those funerals all over the town because the military provided a military orchestra for those funerals. And you could see people either become bitter and depressed, or you could see them become very patriotic. They would be displaying their flags on, by the door, by the entrance, and they would be singing patriotic songs, yet their heart was far away from God. At that time, I wondered how I would deal with death if it happened. And there was a verse from Bible that often came to my mind, and it was, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold or nor hot. I was not committing major sins. I was not doing good things either. I was in between, undecisive, not knowing which way to lead. But God in his mercy, by showing me my friends and other people around me and how they deal with death, opened a different page of my life. He showed me that sometimes our lives do not go the way we plan them. And we cannot plan life on our, we cannot plan our life ahead without considering the one who is holding it. And at that moment, I repented. I fully gave my heart to Lord, and I knew that he was going to hold my life. He was going to hold my afterlife. Mm -hmm. Later on, I heard one preacher saying in his message such a thing as, the worst that could happen to me is I would die. But then I believe in God and I know where I'm going. I wish for everyone in this room today to be able to distinguish one from the other and where they are going and know that God is holding life of each one of us. He knows the name of each one of us. He cares for us through our hardships and through our better times. And even when we forget about him while so busy planning our lives. I wish that everyone would be able to realize how great is God and how great is his mercy. And that even at the times when we're neither cold or hot, he's still holding our lives by giving us another chance to repent and come to him. And I wish everybody could be at, at that stage of their life with God where they would not be afraid to witness things that are happening in the world now and where they would be able to say, the God is holding my life. What could happen to me? That's all I wanted to say today, and I wish that all of you 
could think one more time if you're cold or hot or in between in your relationship with God. Amen.